And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall, Ryan Brath, Chris McCormick. We're missing Mr. Robot. We're back from Scottsdale. Had a great week. Got a lot of content. It's back to reality. And a new PGA Tour season is upon us. I know you guys enjoyed the lengthy layoff. As always, how we doing? I'm good. Back to being... Uh... Back to humidity. I know Phoenix and Scottsdale was uh, was very hot, but dry. Uh, Chris, as as you know, I made the mistake of walking from the hotel to the Shrewsbeck offices. It's only like a yes, ten minute sir. walk, but I would uh, I would never do? ever do doing? that again. Yeah, I was, Uber. I was going to, and I was like, ah, it's going to be like twenty minutes away for an Uber. I'll just walk. It'll be ten minutes. And It'll then I, I realized fine. five minutes in, I'm like, this is why no one does this. That's I'm like, yeah. there's no one out here walking. And then I realized five minutes in, yeah, why why no one was. True story. And we've got uh, we've got like a solid seven months of of good weather that you can go and you can participate in that activity. And then the uh, the rest of the year, it's just highly recommended. You go from air conditioned car to air conditioned building, back to air conditioned car, and uh, avoid the in between. Yeah, it's uh, I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't do that again. But I would say there's a there's a lovely little cake place next to the studio there, so I I could uh, highly recommend getting one of those if you're next time you're in. <laughs> Well, we did, as I mentioned, we did get a lot done, shot a lot of video, did a podcast, did some roundtables while we were there, answered some mailbag questions. So we did, did have fun, grabbed some sushi that night, and man, I, I got to say it was probably 10.30 as we were still at the sushi place, and I look over at RB, and the man looks absolutely exhausted, and then I realized that we're on West Coast time. <laughs> It had to be what? That was what one thirty in the morning. Yeah, body time for you. Yeah, and I, and I like to be honest. Like with young kids, I usually stay up till about twelve thirty, one o'clock when I that's when I do a lot of writing because it's quiet in the house. Um, Which but, I still uh, think is insane. Like that's that's prime sleep time, man. Like I understand. Like kudos to you for trying to get work done. But when when my kids were that age and and they were asleep, I'm asleep. Got to get your rest. Yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm a I'm big big coffee fan. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, we have a new PGA Tour season. We're back in Napa. Things are going to be getting different after this season. I, you know, again, we talk gear on this pod, so I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on on the tour season. But as most of you know, if you follow professional golf, they, they do the wraparound season. So they kick off the tour season in September. It goes all the way through August, which is the tour championship you get a brief hiatus and then you're back at it again. There was, there was even a time where it was literally tour championship. And then the next week was, was Napa, which I always thought was ludicrous. Like, uh, and I don't really want to get on that soapbox, but I really do believe that professional golf needs an off season. I think that you, and we've, we've talked about this millions of times on the podcast, but I guess I'll say it again. You can turn on TV any point during the during a weekend over the 52 weeks of the year, and you can find golf on television. And I think sometimes that's why professional golf just doesn't have the same juice as other professional sports is because it's on all the time. And so this is the end of the wraparound. They're, they're no longer going to do a quote-unquote wraparound season, but I think a lot of people, that when they were hearing about that going – for next year, 
thought, oh, wow, they're going to get rid of all these events in the fall. They're going to get rid of Napa and Sea Island. And no, they're not getting rid of the events. They're just going to weight them differently. So the after the Tour Championship, if guys want to play, those events are, are going to be more to help the players that are outside as they're going to be paring it down to just the top 70 for the playoffs. It's going to help get those guys that are outside the top 70 positioned for uh, priority for events going into the next season when everybody restarts in January. So if you want to play cool, but it's just not going to be weighted the same as the, as the wraparound, which is they weighted this events equally, regardless if it was wraparound during the fall or going into Jan, Jan, Feb and throughout the rest of the season. So a little bit different, but the one thing that isn't different first event of the year, or I should say season, there was lots of gear out on the PGA Tour this week. Um, RB sent just a, like a brief list of some topics that he wanted to hit on the pod today. And I mean, it's like you look at it and you're going, really? There's that many things to talk about? And I mean, really, it's it, there's probably at least seven or eight decent gear stories coming out of Napa. So RB, you sent the list, man. Where do you want to start? Well, I think, I think from a tour perspective, we should probably touch on the, uh, I think, I mean, let's talk Ricky's irons. Like I think Cobert is, is someone, I would say that they're not quite like ping. Like they update their, their technology package with drivers and fairy woods every year, as far as more of the game improvement stuff, but they kind of almost ride that like Strixon cadence where it's like, okay, we kind of feel like we'll do one. We'll do one now. And like, they haven't had a true MBCB. They've had the MM tour, which I think for them is a way to showcase like a different technology of manufacturing irons, but it's not something that is like fits into their line is like, it does. I mean, it does obviously fit in their line, but it's not the one that hasn't been like upgraded. They, they did the copper last year, but Ricky's got like full brand new forged CBs. And I mean, if you really think about it, the last time they had a, a, a full change up in that was probably four years ago. And I mean, even then, like they had the RF irons, which was a, a one-off. They they didn't really, and they had like the little bit of a, the blade there. And again, that's more of like a very much a a very limited product. If we look at the the customer base of that, and I'm sure Chris, I don't know how many sets you probably sold of those, but I'm, I'm going to guess there's not many, right? Uh, I personally have sold zero. That is a extremely small niche market that comes in looking for that and then let alone can hit it, even if they are looking at it. It's a beautiful iron, but I mean, it almost has onset. I mean, that is a tiny, it's I'm just tiny, tiny little blade. And there is absolutely nowhere to hide from that thing. And as beautiful as it is, and as difficult as it is to hit, I mean, we didn't even see him stay in Ricky's bag for that long. Yeah. I, I still that, remember I when was, Rory saw those irons, he said they gave him the shakes. Rory McIlroy, <laughs> one of the purest ball strikers on the planet. I remember. I remember. I wrote that story, and and Rory was saying, "Yeah, they give me the shakes. They were. They look terrifying, though. The onset on them was was legitimate. I mean, I mean even it's like beautiful club, but I mean, I I put a shaft on it when we got it in the demo matrix, and I was doing some testing with it, and the the delta, as far as the miss goes, the the pure shot felt fantastic, but I mean, you're a 16th of an inch off of just dead nut center and you're already seeing drop off and inconsistencies and curvature. And it's just like, Nope, no chance for my game. 
Yeah, and I think this is that's where this this new iron from Cobra that they've got out. It's I mean it's full. It's got the full branding. It's got all the stuff on it. So it it basically looks like a finished product at this point. Has very much a, a forged uh, cavity back technology story to it by the looks of it. You've got a little bit of an insert in the back. You have a, a more of a muscle towards the bottom. If anything, it looks kind of like a like an eye blade or a T T one hundred or like a tour iron from Mizuno or um, the Callaway TCB. It's in more along the lines of that category. And I think this is probably something that's going to appeal more to a lot of players when it comes out versus, again, the Ricky Fowler blade or the Rad Speed. And again, if you look at the Rad Speed irons or um, the, like in that category, right? Like all of those are, are something that is, they're going to sell a ton of those, but a lot, I wouldn't say a huge amount would be like completely custom fit. Not that we, we encourage people to do that, but I think this is one of those ones where it is like a, it's an iron that people want to play or they aspire to play to, and also offer some forgiveness when, where you want it. Well, this is an interesting one for me because Ricky was a guy who played blades. As we talked about, he, he had a set of blades that were designed just for him. And now we're seeing him go to something wildly different. And from talking to some folks over at Cobra, you know, Ricky tested three different irons. There was this new King Tour that, that he's got in the bag. There's also a CB version, so a more traditional cavity back, and then an MB version. So that leads me to believe, as RB, you mentioned, you know, it, maybe it's cut from a similar cloth as like a T100. You know, Titleist also has those 620 CBs, and then they have a traditional MB. Now, the CBs compared to the T100, yes, they're they're both considered you know, cavity back irons, but one has a bit more tech than the other. The, the traditional 620 CBs are going to be more of a traditional cavity back, less, I mean, it does have tungsten in it, but it's going to be less forgiving. It won't be as fast as your T100s. And I think that's where... I get interested because, you know, Ricky could have put it, the traditional CBs if there were three different versions here. He could have put those in the bag, but he likes these because they're they're a bit more forgiving. They have a slightly wider sole width. Now, everybody's probably thinking, now, Ricky Fowler, that's kind of interesting. He's a professional golfer, but now he's talking about forgiveness. And you have to remember that Ricky Fowler back in 2018 was that guy who put in Cobra's um, the F9 irons that they had, that F9 Speedback, he put a four iron in the bag, and that was a very game improvement iron. Now, that's at the top of the set, but I only point that out because while you could look at Ricky's history with irons and say, well, he's mostly been a blade guy over his career, he has dabbled in that, you know, as, as RB also, as you mentioned, like this iron that, that Ricky has in the bag now, that King Tour does feel like it could fit a wider handicap range. Um, the F9 obviously fit a much wider handicap range, and he's he's put him in there. He likes the forgiveness, and I think it also I think this highlights the fact that even tour pros see sometimes that forgiveness is a good thing. We've seen that from uh, guys that have added the attack wedge, the the cavity back attack wedges to the bag. I think to like Sam Burns and Dylan Fratelli guys that were even struggling with that attack wedge in their bag, more like more like a gapper after the pitching wedge. 
And they felt like a little bit of heel toe forgiveness was a good thing because it helped retain some of that ball speed, kept their carry distance numbers more, more consistent to their numbers out of the center. This to me feels like a very similar story. Ricky's able to get a bit more forgiveness. Carry distance numbers are going to be a bit, bit better. He's been struggling some over the last season. Why not try something like this? I think it makes sense. I think from a from a performance standpoint, we're when we talk to golfers, and I, I mean I talk to players all the time. And again, I think Chris, you probably speak to this better, but like I love playing blades, but I also don't play blades on a 7,200 yard golf course. Like if I'm playing blades, I'm playing, you know, 6,200, 6,300. I don't have to worry about hitting the five iron that often, unless it's on a par three. And I know I'm going to have a great lie. Whereas if you have someone in like a different category and you know, you're playing those really long golf holes, you're going to want technology. Like it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, again, it's fun to hit those, those uh, short irons and blades. If you're just you know, playing a shorter golf course, but, when you need to hit those mid to long irons, if you're not a longer player and you start getting into 66, 67, 6,800 yards, that is a lot of yardage for a lot of golfers. So if you can get that little extra help without having something that's, that's super big but still fits your eye, irons like this is the way to go. No, 100%. I would agree with that. And then, I mean, you also add into account the amount of pressure that those guys are under coming down the stretch, especially if they're in contention or – other end of the spectrum if they're you know, kind of coming down the stretch and know they have to post a number to make a cut. So, I mean, just having an opportunity to be able to miss a little bit and still see the result of having some, some extra tech or a little bit of forgiveness in the bag, it makes more sense to see something like that in a player's bag rather than just a full top-to-bottom set of you know, forged blades. Speaking to that in a much lesser sense, I was playing in, a, in an event this uh, earlier this week, and on par three – I took the largest divot I've taken in five years. I've never done. I can't remember the last time I did it. And the ball went 40 yards off the tee deck. And I was like, wow. I'm I, and like, you know, I can't. And I got this is just a fun event. I'm not like here to, to win anything. But uh, yeah, any forgiveness always helps. And I just I really uh, I'm going to remember that shot for a while because it uh, kind of stung. And it also stung the ego quite a bit. I'm, I'm probably well, way too what club familiar did you with use that. For that RB. <laughs> It was a six iron. It was a six iron oh, in the wind, and I oh. chunked it. I chunked it about forty yards, and I took a divot that was about three inches deep. Did you Perfect. save that? Did you save that pelt for the for the build shop? Yeah, I, I sheepishly walked up and put it back in the space, and just hoped to God that it grew back in. So I think I would have taken it home and and put it right next to the uh, the loft line machine at home in the shop there. <laughs> just framed it. Never That's forget it. this. This is why you That's practice, it. you idiot. This is it. Oh, now, speaking of irons, I mean, we had a you know unloading this week from from Strixon. We had like you you spotted the irons. I fa- I saw the drivers, and then I realized that everything else was on their list as well. So we, I mean, they had hybrids, they had fairway woods. The, the this is where like you know if you're a golf nerd that Monday morning or that Tuesday morning when you start looking around the USGA list, if you know what to search for, you're going to find a whole bunch of new gear. And I think. Again, looking to that 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 technology perspective, we see that from the from what it looks like with the progression of the new ZX uh, five and the uh, the ZX uh, seven as well, which I think is really sharp. Going with the Z instead of the Z, can't do it. Can't do so, it. Sorry. It's Z. Like it. it just it <laughs> rolls off the top. 
I, I just yeah zx now you're gonna have me saying it every time um so the irons for me and i pointed this out on social media the the zx5 the zx5 excuse me and the zx7 those were some of the best irons that were out there when they were released in 2020 and i think from the first year when we had players test them and even the next year when we had them in, in the rotation during player testing for club test, every time you build up the five or the seven guys that, and it's, and I don't know what it is. And I, I want to ask you guys about this. Now, Shrixon is, is a name brand. Maybe you don't know them like a Titleist or a TaylorMade or a Callaway, but they're a major brand. I mean, Hideki Matsuyama plays their stuff out on the PGA Tour Shane Lowry, another guy who's who's been playing pretty well, just won BMW PGA Championship. They've got some some decent players on their staff too, but for whatever reason, everybody goes, oh, Shrixon, never played that iron before. And then they hit these things, and it's like, holy smokes, it's a great iron. And you laugh because you're like, yeah, it's a, it's a great iron. And that was one of the first things that I found out when I tested them. I, I tested the sevens. I played the sevens for a while. I probably should throw them back in the bag with the way my iron play has been recently. But they are just incredibly consistent. Uh, you know. And that was what really blew me away is even in the sevens, I felt like they were extra forgiving. They're super fast. And they just have a great ball flight. Dispersion was awesome when I tested them on, on the, the Foresight GC quad. And I just don't know what it is. I don't know why people can't embrace the Shrixon irons, but I got I was geeking out because again, the last version was really good. And I, I gotta think if it's been a couple of years since they released the the last one, this one's gotta be pretty good as well. Chris, what's your experience I, in the fitting bay when you have customers in there? Because I always think like it's one of those things where so, someone might walk into like a big box store and they're not, they might not like associate with it right off the bat but in a fitting scenario when they're with a fitter and you got you have you're using a gc quad you're going through the right shafts that's where the performance the feel and all of those other elements really add into it a lot quicker when someone's in that environment and they're a little bit more open and in a brand agnostic scenario from like okay i'm here to test everything versus just like i want like i want to get fit for this somewhere no it's uh it's definitely a conversation that we have often uh, the Shrixon irons have been fantastic for us. I mean, the last several generations of Z series, whether it be five or seven, have been really, really good. And ZX5 is probably one of our better selling irons. I mean, to J Wall's point, it is fast. And one thing that we really like uh, when we do pull those irons is for players that are higher launch, higher spin, uh, they do cut some spin for us. So specifically that ZX7. So if you've got a, a decent player, good ball striker that is high launch, high spin, that ZX7 is a great option. It does knock the ball flight down a little bit. It does cut spin and the ball speed that's produced off of that thing is, is really, really competitive in that particular category. And ZX5, while it's a little more aggressively lofted, uh, still is giving us a, a ton of ball speed a good amount of forgiveness, the feel, the acoustic off of it is really solid, uh, definitely a competitor in that category. And while it still hits it relatively high, uh, it does manage the spin pretty well for us in that category. I, I don't think 
you mentioned like some of the older generations. I still don't think that in the in the club fitting and like building world, the the seven four five and the five four five really kicked off a bit of a revolution for the players irons because people saw this trend of faster players need lower launch and spin reduction. And the seven four fives one was an example of a of a cavity back iron that offered, I think, a four, basically a forty five degree pitching wedge, and then the lofts went 45, 40, 36, 32. So you had a twenty eight degree six iron in the set, and it flowed really well. And you had those those bigger gaps in the shorter irons, which help with gapping for like a lot of players across the board. But it also creates that that set composition where you can go to a fifty degree gap wedge. And you have the spin reduction off of that iron because from like my experience, when those irons came out, once you got them into a fitting bay, they were very hard to beat um, for a player with like, who was looking at that one piece forged cavity back. Of course you could find irons that would go higher for players who needed it. But for those, those spin reduction, high speed players that might be, it might've been a little steeper as well because of the very aggressive V sole on the seven, four fives. And they've kind of brought that back again with the, the recent models. And I don't, we have, we don't have pictures of the soles of the new one on the USGA list yet, but I'm assuming they're probably pretty similar. That was something where, you know, they've stood out and they continue to stand out. And it's, it's impressive to see when they are in a fitting scenario, how much they stand out against their competitors in that, in that product where you just need that lower launch, lower spin, but it's still got to look good. No, absolutely. And I, I had a good amount of success with building combo sets with the, the ZX7 and the Z Forge, which is their Forge blade that a little bit more traditional for the players, but having that conversation, just like we were talking about with Ricky and giving that player an opportunity to benefit from a little bit more perimeter weighting and some discretionary weight in places that will help a player in those long irons. And then making the break somewhere in that six iron, seven iron, some players even eight iron, and transitioning down into that more traditional blade in the Z Forge. Those irons comboed really, really well together and still yeah, a little bit lower launching, lower spinning version of a traditional blade style iron. Yeah, that's actually the one big takeaway that I have from the initial black and white photos that came off the USGA's website is the overall profile of the new five and seven, they look very similar. The previous version, there were some differences in the the kind of cavity design was, was a little bit different from the five to the seven, but then also the, the sole pad there on the back, that design was also a little bit thicker on the five. On the seven, they took a little bit off on the, on the toe side. And looking at these photos of the new ones, they look almost identical, which would lead me to believe that they're really going to push this narrative of blend these irons. I think, you know, sure, if you want to play a full set of fives or a full set of sevens, go for it. But I think the reason why they're trying to get the, the profiles to look, I mean, almost identical, in my opinion, is because they're trying to get guys to blend. And I think they're also going to, gonna I mean, through tour feedback, I'm pretty sure they're going to have some guys out on tour. They're going to be blending as well. So it makes a lot of sense that you'd want the profiles to look the same. We've talked to other OEMs about that, and, and they've discussed the importance of not only just trying to get the lofts to blend if you do want to do half, you know, split sets and, and combine different models, but also from an aesthetic standpoint, golfers 
really want them to look similar so it doesn't look like they have two different models in the bag. So um, in addition to the irons, RB, you covered the drivers on golf.com and you did a, here's what you need to know. What were some of the things that you noticed just going? And again, it's black and white photos, tough to get a whole lot from black and white images, but what were some of the things that stood out to you? I would say lucky for us, golf club companies love visual technology. It's not like when you see a test car roll by and they got the, the weird paint job and you can't see what's going on under the hood. You don't know if it's hybrid. You don't know if it's all whatever's going on in there, right? It's electric, all those kind of things. But when, but because they, they want to have shelf appeal with these golf clubs, they put a lot of information on these things. Um, so from the, so from the fives perspective, very similar back weighting, um, so more forgiveness, but there is an LS model now, unless they're going way off menu. And I said, I, I bet all my lunch money and eat a can of cat food if I was wrong, but the, the LS most likely stands for low spin model. And you can tell that with the ZX five, because the one weight on the LS model is towards the front of the face. So to bring a low spin option to their more game improvement driver, and they don't have these mat. I mean, they're all forgiving. Let's put it that way. They it's probably not the most forgiven driver on the market, but it is definitely way, way up there. And to offer a low spin version of that is pretty interesting. And then in the seven, you still have the adjustability. So the hosel looks to be exactly the same. You've got the heel toe weightings for like creating some ball flight bias. There is an LS model as well in the seven, but the one that's really interesting to me is, is strictly based on the name. And I, I wrote a little bit about this on golf.com is like the diamond driver they call it the diamond driver if you look at the shaping of it it's a little bit more rounded it's a little smaller profile uh they you did usda and rna don't list the ccs of the driver sometimes i mean most used to be companies would put them on the bottom of the driver because they had different sizes now they don't do that anymore really but if you look at the way the graphics are and the shadows of it it definitely looks like it's a more rounded uh, profile on that and the last diamond profile product they had was the golf ball and that was designed for Brooks Kepka. So my question now is, is this, it looks, it looks to be full retail. It looks to be something where they're going to be offering it because it's, it's fully graphicked up and mocked up and everything. So is this, a, is this the driver that they'd been working on with Brooks that they didn't want him to be using when the U S open rolled around, he went back to the M five. Is this something that where Hideki wants to try something a little smaller? Um, you know, I, I find it interesting because like, again, Japanese company, it was, I think, Ryushikawa at one point had like a super small, like 300 CC driver. There's a and blast it, in the it, past. And uh, like, who, like, why would you use one at the time when it was an option right now? Again, per, like personal preference, or you played a lot in the Asian tour, like golf wars aren't quite as long over there. Um, but in general, I think this could be the interesting product to see if this is the one that's going into Brooks's bag. Cause it is the diamond version of it. Um, but overall, I mean, I think the aesthetic looks really good. And if the rebound frame stick, seems to be sticking around, so they got a lot going on with these things. They were high-performing drivers. They were good-performing drivers. It just comes down to what players is going to fit. And obviously, they felt there was a gap in their in their lineup with the with the ZX5 LS, which I think to me is kind of the one that really stands out, which I think is cool. Yeah, and that Diamond, as as you mentioned, they came out with the Diamond version of the golf ball that was for tour. And so that would lead you to believe that the Diamond denotes at least, at least that it's, you know, tour proven, uh, probably received a lot of feedback. I would agree. Kepka would be the one guy. He went back to a Shrixon driver on, on live. 
And, you know, the next thing that we're looking for is when does Brooks put it in play? When does Hideki put it in play? You know, the big names that really move the needle for Shrixon. I think those are the guys, if they throw it in the bag early and they have some success with it, that might lead to some success at retail. People roll their eyes when I say that, but look, as much as as much as you don't want to believe that that tour pros lead guys to to make gear decisions when they go to their golf shop, it still does, guaranteed. So if Brooks wins with it right out of the gate and Hideki plays well, you can be damn sure that people are going to go test it, and then some are probably going to buy it. It absolutely does. It moves the needle. I mean, watching a tour pro tour player put a product in play and immediately have success with it. it. It does create that buzz of, Ooh, maybe that's good to be good for me. And people come in specifically asking for that particular product by name. So it's, it's definitely a ripple effect of tour influencing, you know, the, the average consumer in the marketplace of, is this product going to be something I'm interested in? I like Red Bull. I like Red Bull racing. And every time I buy a can, I think maybe I'm just helping support that little new engine program they got going on. Right. You never know. Yeah. We always got to get a racing two, a two reference bucks a can. on fully equipped. At two bucks a can. Yeah. Um, but it is. And I think too, like I love, I always love, like you see Hideki roll up to some of the tournaments and he's got, I don't know, looks like nine drivers sitting up against his golf bag. That's always a fun one to watch. So I'm curious to see when he starts going through that testing process uh, as, as we get a little further into the fall here. It'll show up. I'm sure of it. If it's on the, if it's on the USJ list, then you know that Hideki's testing it and it'll probably show up in the bag soon enough. Um, what else was out there, RB, that caught your eye? Well, I mean, you've got uh, – so new, new Mizuno irons are starting to sneak out there a little bit, which is interesting. Um, JPX. JPX, the new tour model, which speaking of Brooks Kepka was – you know, the 900 going back was something that was, I wouldn't say intentionally designed for him, but unintentionally designed for him with the possibility of like maybe signing him at the time or he decided to be a free agent. Uh, which I think I think is a, is a well um, all circulated story at this point. Um, but the other thing too, which, which I'm like, you know, you wrote about them is is the ping putters, like the new ping putters. I think the funny thing for me was, and I messaged, I got my friend, one friend who uh, works here at Ping Canada, because um, I was completely dumbfounded the other day when I saw the pictures come out. I saw the you know I saw the piece you were writing, so I was I was trying to get like oh like it reminds me of something, and I couldn't remember the name of this putter series. I spent an hour and a half. This is what I do when I nerd out. I spent like an hour and a half on eBay and around the internet trying to find how, what putter this reminded me of from Ping going way way back, and anything like pre two thousand is like impossible to find like a lot of information on, which is always super annoying. And long story short, he messed me back and goes, oh, you're talking about the Ping Specify series, which uh, when you see the new ones now, they have a lot of them have this two-tone look. So there's the hosel and then there's the backside of that putter. The Specify series, which came out around the time of like the I3 iron, so like late 90s, early 2000s, had pick your hosel. Now, the new series doesn't do this. I'm just going to make this very, very clear. You cannot do this with this new thing. If you want to get to go to the PLD, that's probably the way to go. But the specify was you pick your hosel, then you pick your flange style. So you could pick like a, an answer or a, uh, like um, a my day, or there was a, like a pal, I think. And there might've been a couple other options. 
And then those back flanges came in three separate weights. So you could fully customize ordering your putter. You couldn't just walk in and pick your pieces and leave. Callaway tried that with the OptiFit, I don't know, 15 years ago. And that was the biggest, probably one of the largest fails of golf retail ever. Um, I remember they almost, all the heads sat in the glass cases and the shafts sat in these little plastic tubes and no one knew what to do with them. So no one bought them. Um, then they came out with the actual adjustable driver and that worked quite well with the razor fit, but I digress. And that's what it made me think of the new putters is like that. To me, it's the alignment. I know like talk about all the customizations from this big tirade there, but like I saw that couldn't figure out what it was. Finally came to mind. Couldn't find any information of these things online. Found like a couple like little tiny articles, but it's that alignment, which I think ping does really well. And they've got, which I thought was really interesting is they don't all have the same insert. They don't all have the same face technology. They kind of rotate it through the line looking at the demographic of the type of golfer that's going to be using it. And to me, that's really interesting because if you go to look at an Odyssey butter, you're either going to get an OG white hot insert or you're going to get one of the Toulon milled faces or something like that. Or Scotty Cameron, you might get insert in this line. You won't get one in this. They've got one line. It all all fits under the same name, but they all, some of them have different face inserts for the player. And to me, that's a really cool fitting story because they've obviously looked at a lot of data and how this comes together to fit specific players. Yeah. I love that you brought up the specify. It's it's interesting because I think if you're not a golfer that really loves equipment, you would have had no idea that going back, you know, 10, 15, 15 plus years that putter customization was even a thing back then. Because a lot of the OEMs make it a point to say, oh, you can customize your putter nowadays. And like, this is a big deal. And it's like, yeah, but this has been around for a while. It's just people don't really remember it. And then it gets brought back years later. And all of a sudden, it's like the greatest thing in the world. So I I love that you brought that up because you're right. Putter customization has been around. It's it's terrifying. And as as you mentioned with with the, the Odyssey, you know, people didn't know what to do with it at the time. And I think that's where we've, we've come a long way in that area. You know, we embrace custom fitting nowadays and you have people that actually know what the heck they're doing. And so golfers feel a bit more comfortable going in and getting custom fit for a putter or a driver or whatnot. But yeah, these pink putters, when I saw them in Memphis and I had a chance to talk to Dylan Goodwin, who's a ping rep who handles the putters, he mentioned to me, and this was the part that stuck out is, you know, Ping came out with PLD. PLD was wildly successful. They got Tony Finau, who when he signed a deal with Ping after being a free agent, that was the one club that they didn't sign him for, which was, I mean, that's a big deal for Ping because they were built on putters. And they saw the benefit of just getting Tony in the door. Like, let's get him on staff. He can play the putter he wants. We're not going to... Because that's the one club. If you look at Ping tour deals, the putter is part of the deal. That's that's a non-starter. And Tony Finau was the guy that broke the mold. So then you get Tony Finau into a PLD. Then he wins with PLD. And it was like, oh man, these putters are great. And then they come out with the line and and we've talked about PLD because you can get, they have retail versions. They also have a fully customized PLD putter where you can either work with a ping master fitter over the phone, or you can actually go to ping headquarters 
And don't think that you can just go online and like sign up. There's a waiting list and it's a mile long right now and rightfully so. But you can go to Ping HQ, go to the Putter Lab, go through the same tour validated process that all the Ping staffers go through when they go to Ping headquarters and get a fully customized putter, which is really cool. I actually went through it. It's a really neat process. But as Dylan told me, they also need a putter for the masses. And not to say that the PLD retail version wasn't for the masses, but this one is is definitely kind of driven for those golfers. And it started out on tour, which again, makes people always think, well, this has got to be for tour. Well, no, they were just looking to get feedback from the tour pros. And RB, as you mentioned, there's a whole lot of options here. So we're looking at everything from a micro milling with... 23 grams worth of tungsten in the heel and the toe, 23 grams total. Um, you also have a, the P-Bax insert in the, the mallets, which is going to be a little bit softer. But as Dylan mentioned, the micro milling on a lot of the blades and the P-Bax insert that you can find on some of the mallets, they actually have pretty similar distance control. So you don't have to worry about just because one's softer and one's firmer, the, the P-backs being the softer and the micro milling being the firmer, that they're going to go different distances. He said that when they were testing them, they go similar distances. It's just more about the feel. So there's one thing that you can get that's different. If you like a firmer feel, you can go with the micro milling. If you want, you know, even firmer than that, they have on their Tomcat 14 mallet, they've got a completely smooth face. That's going to be extra firm. Then you've got the P-backs. And what some of the P-backs comes with a smooth face surrounding that P-backs insert. And some of them have a little bit of a micro milling, which I kind of think is cool. Again, going back to the importance of having options, there's all kinds of new blades. You've got your very traditional answers on. I also posted some photos on golf.com of a new Monday mallet. It's going to be more of a uh, kind of a half moon, like rounded mallet. Um, the Tomcat is, is a pretty wild mallet. So lots of different options and head shapes. You've got the, what they call color blocking. It's gonna be a two-tone look with this platinum finish on the top line and the face, but on the backside on the flange, it's a, um, a matte black. And the, the reason why they went with this is because going with black on the flange and the platinum on the top line, it brings your eye to the top line. So it's going to help you focus. So that's another reason if you are kind of guy that likes alignment aids or you need visual cues when you're on the putting green, great option there. They also have different alignment aids. So you've got everything from the single line all the way to triple lines on the Monday. And that is why I think a line like this works is because golfers, we're not all the same. We don't all like you know, certain colors. We don't all like certain feels. And that's one thing that typically when a equipment manufacturer comes out with one putter line, it's same face insert, different head shapes, different weights, but you don't get a lot of, of differences in like, well, Hey, what if I'm a guy who likes a softer feel? Well, this putter just isn't for me. No, this line for 2022 from Ping has that. It's got 10 different models. I think it's a great lineup. It was getting a lot of good feedback out on tour, but again, this lineup is for the masses. This is going to be a, a successful line for Ping at retail. And you can tell they took, the, in my opinion, you can tell they took their time with this one. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, it just shows how much they put into like the customization from putter to putter, as well as the personalization to fit certain players and, and how they use visual alignments and all of those different things. And, and that to me is, uh, is, you know, what I think Ping does a little differently when it comes to all of their, their putter lines. 
Now, speaking of personalization, we are at Fully Equipped, brought to you by the Rapsodo MLM Personal Launch Monitor, which is the number one rated personal launch monitor on the market today. It features incredibly precise measurements, remarkable accuracy, data-rich visuals, and new performance combines. The MLM is the mobile launch monitor to help the grinders, the range rats, and the golf junkies get better by delivering more insights and structure to every single practice session. Now, how does it work? It uses a Doppler radar paired with your iPhone or iPad camera to ensure that every golf ball is tracked incredibly with incredible accurate detail. Additionally, the MLM gives shot tracking for every swing, visual charts of each shot for a better understanding of consistency, accuracy, and distance with each golf club. This pro-level data and metrics provide measurable and actionable feedback to make practice sessions smarter, more structured, and more focused towards improvement. There's nothing worse than just wasting your time on the range beating golf balls. Now, when we talk about the performance combines, this new tool from MLM is for premium subscribers. And what it offers is 24 shot tests at two targets and two and driver to identify your biggest weaknesses. So you know where to work on your game. This was designed by the industry leading and trusted golf expert, Dr. Sasho McKenzie. And the performance combines utilize over 100,000 shots of PGA Tour level data and 20 years of data directly from Dr. McKenzie's work with different skill levels of players and handicaps to help you get the most from your game. Practice with a purpose every time you hit the range. Practice better and make lower scores and use the launch monitor. It's the official launch monitor of no laying up as well. Now, uh, if you are interested in the MLM, you can go to rapsoto.com slash fully equipped and use the promo code fully equipped for a hundred dollars off the MLM right now. Rapsodo is also offering a $30 off bundle discount for MLM and their premium subscription service. So fully equipped listeners have the opportunity to save over $130 total with the purchase and the bundle of the premium package. Stop wasting time on the range with ineffective practice that doesn't lead to improvement. Get a Rapsodo MLM launch monitor today and plan for lower scores. All right. Well, is there anything else out there that we want to talk about as far as gear from this week in Napa? As I mentioned, there was a lot going on. Wilson had a new driver. We see that. I liked it. Chris, did you see it? Yeah. It I saw nice. some of the images of it. The Dynapower. I, some of the names that a few of these OEMs come up with are, are always a a little questionable that's uh it's an interesting one the shaping of it looks good images look good curious to test it see what it's all about there's always this like weird contrast between like how far do you go back with like a name like dyna power dyna, like that's those old school like the 60s okay. right yeah that's like, yeah that's, that's, OG. that's a very retro reach back uh, yeah, the Wilson opinion. Wilson Dyna Power. I mean, those those are some classic Wilson irons. But yeah, very interesting to see it on a on a driver. Because like, there's there's a there's a point in time where like something doesn't come back, and then there's a point in time in like a history of a name or a brand where it comes back, right? Like everyone kind of knows why Ford killed the Bronco, right? Because there was a very famous uh, murder suspect alleged that drove one on a freeway chase for like hours in this car. And they mentioned this car like 10,000 times. And then of course I will use this joke from rest of development. Of course, the next car they came out that replaced it was called the escape. Yep. Uh, love it. Love it. Always and I, I do like that you, uh, that you said why Ford killed the Bronco in that <laughs> reference. 
Yes. And so because of that, now, like, tw- I don't know, 20 years later, it's like, okay, people kind of forget that that whole thing happened. Let's bring it back. Let's make it really cool. And the new one is like, I see them everywhere. Right. Yeah. So, like, and then TaylorMade did the burner. They brought back the burner. Everyone thought, why are they bringing back the burner name? Well, it's because people either are kind of, they remember it with nice nostalgia or they are, it's people who are new buyers. Right. So, obviously, for Wilson, I think at this point, I don't think they're targeting people that had 60 year old like irons or drivers that remember that name it's it's really trying to find something that's unique within the segment to, to target new purchasers because no i don't i think that's what they're they're going for with their with their with the players that they have right so um i mean it looks like an aggressive driver i think it's cool uh but yeah i always i always find naming kind of fun like you got the i series from ping they've kept that around for a long time um mizuno's had mp uh taylor mage's had like the hundred series they've had r series drivers in the past they went away they came back it's uh, it's always I like the naming of stuff to me is just kind of one of those those wow. branding experiments. And I think with uh, Wilson, they've gone retro, but they're definitely put a lot of tech into this thing. Yeah, and I should mention Dynapower was a driver at one point. I always remember it with the irons. Um, while you were talking about the naming of this driver RB, I totally forgot. I was going back through, and yes, I'm a nerd. I, I keep track of notes on my computer and I went back through, through search and Brennan Steele tested this driver back at Bay Hill earlier this year. So it's been out on tour. It's, it's been tested quietly. And now it looks like it's, it's out in the open. I would say if, if Kevin Tway's using it, then you got to think it's, I mean, again, we're getting closer to the end of the year. Wilson's got to be bringing this driver out to retail soon enough. And it, it does look aggressive. I do like the kind of the matte black finish that it has. It, you know, pretty pretty common tech, in my opinion, to what we've seen from, from a lot of drivers recently. You've got that, that carbon fiber section in the sole on the toe side. And then you also have the carbon fiber crown. So again, that's, that's nothing new. It's just a great weight savings opportunity for a lot of these drivers. And you're able to, to jam some weight into certain areas to help boost forgiveness and launch. And this one looks like it also has a, a pretty generous weight and it's more centrally, centrally located in the, in the sole of the driver. So, um, maybe this is, you know, again, we, we, at one point with drivers, it was either you get low spin and not a lot of forgiveness, or you get a lot of forgiveness, but it's going to be a high launch and higher spin. And, you know, a couple of the manufacturers were able to, to break that code and offer low spin with more forgiveness. We talked about it with the, the TSR4. You know, the TSR4 can now, depending on where the weight is, is situated, you can get a little bit, you know, three characteristics and forgiveness in that, that lower spinning, lower launching product. And, you know, that's something that would have never been possible before, but yeah, I do. I like the look of this one, the name again, it's like, are we bumping up against that ceiling? Do we just, do we just run out of names? Is that really what it is? I know there was the co I mean, uh, someone posted on Instagram. I think I shared it online. I don't remember. I apologize for not remembering the original account this time. Um, but there was a new Cobra driver spotted as well. So I don't know where that came from. It was, I it would look to be like some type of arrow, um, boosted driver, uh, which is very interesting. And when the picture that was, was leaked or whatever had like a sticker that showed the loft adjustment on it. So it was definitely a retail sample. Um, it was not a tour head. 
you can always tell because the tour guys don't they the tour guys know what lofts this driver adjusts to. Anytime there's any type of I would say anytime there's little marketing stickers or something like that, you know it's a retail sample. So you know we'll see what happens from there. Again, looks like a low spin carbon composite driver. So the the current one's really good. So be interesting to see how the new one performs as well. Can I tell you something that really pisses me off about this time of the year? I think I know what it is, but I would love to hear it from you. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all we're all in the business of playing fair. We we all want to play fair in that sandbox, that equipment sandbox. You don't want to piss anybody off by by leaking stuff out. We all play by the rules, the embargoes. But then everybody on social media who's who's not a journalist just starts posting photos, just firing them off, and who knows where they get them. That's what I want to know. But right. somebody along the way, it's probably a sales rep with some of these companies. They they send the photos along to these popular equipment accounts, and then they post the pictures. And I mean, what's going to happen? Is an OEM going to come to them and say, "Hey, take down the pic- take down the the photo"? Like, are you going to threaten me with what? I mean, unless you're going to threaten me with a lawsuit, like go pound sand. I'm going to keep my photos up on my Instagram page. But if RB, if you or I did that. It would be like, hey, do you like your job? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. a phone call real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. The bat phones it's, lighten I'm, up pretty quickly. I'm kind of wondering, though, if as we keep kicking the can down the road with yeah, there's a camera everywhere, social media, TikTok, Instagram is just more and more relevant with the consumer. And the bits of golf content that people are consuming is living on these, these digital platforms that if maybe it's intentionally, you know, maybe once in a while leaked just to create a buzz and get that image circulating before an embargo date, just to, like I said, maybe ignite a fire, get people talking or give the OEM an opportunity to see how that product potentially is going to be received before it goes to market. Do we need to change the color scheme? Do we need to change the graphics package before we're officially rolling this out to retail? I mean, just a thought. I, I, I do think that happens, but I, I can I can speak not from my own personal firsthand account, but definitely from people that are very much within the know that there was, uh, I was say, well, probably 15 years ago, one of the original TP irons from TaylorMade came out. And I know someone, I guess one person had a sample at one meeting, someone had a picture of it, it got it online and uh, that rep lost their job because that was like a sample for like a year and a half from then. It kind of like blew up and then it disappeared and no one heard about it. Then this iron shows up like 18 months later. And then another example, which I know, and everyone here, I think is aware that like pink does a very good job of keeping track of their serial numbers, including knowing which reps got which ones. And there was one from a few years ago that, that it was like, a, I think it was a G425 because they were released in Asia. So there were lots of pictures kind of floating around, but they got out just before the embargo overseas there. And uh, next thing you know, it was like, yeah, we know which rep that came from because the pictures had the serial number. And it's like, yeah, you're met, you're, you're walking on coals here, folks, because you know, this, it is, it is IP in reality, it's IP. So um you don't really want to mess with it too much, but no, to your point, Jonathan, it irks me when like, it's like, man, I'm waiting to hear information. I know some, there's like, obviously companies have internal meetings and we're not like, like very early internal meetings. We're not invited to those kind of things, but you no, know, they start sharing stuff with us and we have the opportunity to write about it and, and kind of leak certain things or talk about certain things. 
But then like somebody with like 200 Instagram followers blasts everything online. You're like, what do I have to show for it? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, maybe I'm just protecting my own house here, but I mean, it is kind of one of those frustrating things. I'll tell you the funniest story about somebody getting shit canned for leaking golf equipment photos. So years ago, Nike did an event for their vapor line and they did it in New York city. I'm sure a lot of people remember it. They flew Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy in on a helicopter to Liberty national. Jimmy Fallon was there emceeing Tiger also like casually mentions that there's tungsten in his irons and everybody starts assuming that there's tungsten in the retail versions of these as Tiger's talking about them. And you're like, wow, there's tungsten in these irons. And Nike's like, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely not a thing. Um, Tiger wasn't supposed to mention that. Well, we get to, we get to the hotel the next day after the event. And I had heard that, that a hotel employee had gotten canned because somebody from Nike had left a bag of clubs in a hotel ballroom where they had been doing a presentation. And one of the employees there, I guess, was uh, frequented a, uh, a golf gear website with a forum. And they snapped some photos and then posted them. And Nike was irate that they ended up telling, basically telling the hotel, like, you're going to find out which one of your employees it was. So they went back through and figured it out. And then they canned the guy all for posting pictures of these new Nike clubs. Jeez, that's insane. I think of all the companies I wouldn't want to mess with at the time. I mean, Nike's pretty big. <laughs> you definitely don't want to mess with Nike. Yeah, that, that would for sure be the one. All right. Well, before we wrap, uh, we've got some great content coming out from some testing we did with the new Fujikura Ventus TR products. All three of the shafts, RB had a chance to test them. Chris and I were there providing some insights. Chris providing better insights than yours truly. But I don't want to give everything away, RB, but what's what what was the one thing, the biggest takeaway, I guess, from that testing session with those three driver shafts? What what was the thing that you left with where you're like, man, I didn't expect that? Uh, I say it with a smug ass grin on my face, uh, go get fit. <laughs> um, yes. It, it is it it's one of those things where I always tell people, you know, th- there are profiles that you might have fit in, in the past or within a certain category. And having gone through the testing myself of all three shafts, the, the TR red, blue, and black, I was very surprised with the end result. I'm not going to give it away here. I go, there's your little teaser to go check out the video. But, you know, it was t- like having, and Chris's insight was really good because not only did we see a change in ball speed performance and spin, but in reality, what we were seeing was, and you make a really good point in this video, and I, I found it to be very true, was where you hit the ball on the club face. Like where the shaft deflects, where the shaft comes in at impact, because a player's patterns aren't going to change too much. But what happens through those those movements with the shaft and the weight, and maybe the 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 feel that is created, or the balance point that might be slightly different, all of those things we use the same head in every scenario. They're all the same length, all the same grip, and one shaft definitely offered me uh, a better performance that we saw and more consistency. So I think. For anyone who's looking to try out the new TR, for example, don't just immediately assume that you're going to fit into one or the other. And this really applies to all shafts, but especially these guys, because as another point of of reference, like when a shaft company labels high, low, and mid, 
It doesn't mean that it's high, low, mid compared to every shaft in their lineup. It's within that category because a 40 gram stiff flex shaft that's in their, like, let's say lightweight category is not the same as the tour level shaft that weighs 50 grams and also labeled stiff. In fact, it probably doesn't even register within that, that range as far as ball flight is concerned. So for me, that that's my piece of advice is, is hopefully check out the video. Hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, but, uh, it, it does, I, I thought it was cool. I mean, we tested out, I was, I was shocked by the results. I looked at you guys and I was like, I didn't expect to see that, but, uh, you know, that's why we get fit. And that's why, that's why Chris does what he does because we you know that's, that's what helps people play better golf. Yeah. It was enlightening. I think is, is the best word to describe the video. Go check it out on golf.com. It should be dropping, um, here in the next couple of days and RB will also have a write up on golf.com attached to the video. So if you can't find the video as a standalone, you can find it there in the story. All right. I think with that, let's tie a bow on episode 157 of fully equipped. As always, if you want more gear news, check us out on social media. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at fully equipped golf on Instagram. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>